0: Leadership Next is powered by the folks at Deloitte, who, like me, are super focused on how CEOs can lead in the context of disruption and devolving societal expectations. Welcome to Leadership Next, the podcast about the changing rules of business leadership. I'm Alan Murray, and I'm here with my stupendous co-host, Ellen McGirt. Ellen, how are you?
1: Alan, I am so very happy to be here. I'm so happy, very happy to be here with you. And I'm so very happy because my taxes were done early this year.
0: <laughs> and, and funny you mentioned taxes because our guest today is Sasan Gudzari, who is the CEO of Intuit. Now, Ellen, I'm old enough to remember when that meant a quickened CD-ROM that would come in the mail and I'd stick it in my computer and do all my finances. Intuit is since... Uh, sold that business, but it's responsible for TurboTax, which a lot of people use to do their taxes. Like you, it sounds like, Ellen?
1: I have for many, many years. I've been a longtime customer, so thank you.
0: And then QuickBooks, which is yeah. uh, used by thousands and thousands, and we'll get Sasan to give us an exact number of small businesses. More recently, in a rapid expansion, it bought Credit Karma for, uh, I think, around $8 million and MailChimp for for around eight billion, excuse me, and Mailchimp for twelve billion. So Intuit yep. is on the move, and the man who is driving all that move is the man who is with
2: us right now, Sasan Guzari. Sasan, thanks for being with us. Oh, Alan, Alan, thank you so much for having me. Alan, thank you for being a uh, customer. If you ever have an issue, uh, let me know. And by the way, Alan, I wish it was eight million dollars, but it was eight billion. Eight billion, right. yeah. Excuse,
0: right. excuse me for misspeaking. So tell us where this is taking you. What is into it today? Describe it and what are you trying to build?
2: You know, um, I'll, I'll do it sort of uh, if we were in an elevator, you know, what would you need to know? You know, if you wind the clock back, uh, we've really focused on being a platform company that's focused on accounting and tax uh, three years ago. And those are very important problems. That was sort of what the essence of what QuickBooks uh, and TurboTax do. Help you be compliant, keep your books up to date, your accounting, and with TurboTax, of course, is to be able to you know, do your own uh, taxes. Uh, and, of course, now uh, we can have somebody do it for you. If you forward the clock to where we are today, you know we had a, a dream three years ago building on our foundation that uh, we really wanted to make a meaningful impact in the lives of those that we serve. We wanted to help you uh, really manage your financial life and your life as a small business. And so the from, two is we wanted to go from really helping you only with taxes and accounting, very important problem to a platform company that really plays a meaningful role in your everyday life as a consumer and as a small business. And, you know, our backdrop is our purpose. It's our why, which is our mission around powering prosperity around the world. And in order for us to power prosperity, we felt like we need to go beyond taxes and accounting. And so, Uh, We've accelerated our innovation and of course joined with two family members in Credit Karma and MailChimp. And the essence of what they both do is in the case of MailChimp, we now with QuickBooks can help you grow your business and run your business in one place to really fuel your success as a small business. And as a consumer, we can now help you really save money, get out of debt and be able to get your largest paycheck of the year, which is your refund all in one place. So that's the. The from to, I want to be clear, we've not arrived at a destination. There is no destination. Powering prosperity takes a lot of work. But I love our progress and it's exciting to see what's possible as we look ahead.
0: So Son, that sounds like you're saying more acquisitions to come.
2: No, no, I'm just saying we've got to get <laughs> so much better at solving problems for uh, for our customers and you know, speed the market matters for us. And so we'll always be look out on the lookout for are we doing that well enough internally? Do we need to, you know, accompany that with uh, partners or acquisitions, uh, but our compass is the customer.
1: You know, speaking of that, our wonderful colleague, Jeff Colvin, wrote a piece about you and it, I think was around December, and talked about some of the ways that you're thinking about that future. There have been some bumps. I know there have been uh, some layoffs that were tough, but what he focused on was how you are thinking about disrupting yourself and the industry that you have helped established. Um, A big part of that is gonna be technology, AI in particular. But can you talk a little bit about those changes and what that looks like to set yourself up for the future?
2: Yeah, Ellen, I actually love where you started, which is, you know, we're almost a 40-year-old startup. and. You know we were born in the in the era of desktop where you had to you know stick a cd rom in your laptop and alan talked about that and and many employees that work for us these days don't don't even know what that means and what that is <laughs> uh, and you know i start there uh, because we've had to in the last 40 years lead through multiple different shifts from you know desktop and the days of dos to the internet to the cloud to you know now being a platform company and I give a lot of credit, you know, to our founder and the many that followed our our founder to always fall in love uh, with the customer and their problems, and never fall in love with with your solutions. And and the essence of what you asked about, which is, uh, we always want to find ourselves in a pace where uh, we're comfortable disrupting ourselves, reimagining ourselves because of what the the customer needs. And. And that is really what what has allowed us in the last 40 years, you know, to be where we are today. And particularly to your question, uh, I would say there are sort of three things that matter a lot to fuel innovation on behalf of our customers. For us, it's data, it's AI, and now the the capabilities that come uh, with crypto. Uh, You know, we've spent years making sure that we can use our customers' data um, on their behalf uh, to be able to innovate for them. And that's really accelerated because of AI. You know, we use machine learning, knowledge engineering, and natural language processing to find ways to put more money in your pocket, to eliminate work and drudgery, and to ensure what you do is actually done with confidence. And AI, you know, the way I described it to the company three years ago when I stepped into this role is, you know, way back in the way back machine, when none of us probably remember this, electricity, uh, when it was invented, it changed the world uh, in so many ways. And then the internet had changed the world in so many ways, in ways that we couldn't even imagine at the time that it was invented. And my belief is that when the essence of AI was invented, uh, it is that third sort of platform that will is causing explosive yeah. innovation. And so AI is very important for us and the inventions because of it. And then last but not least is crypto. And particularly for us, our interest is blockchain and democratizing access to markets and and financial systems and removing friction for small businesses and consumers so they can get paid fast and move money fast without all the middleware and all the 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 cost that comes with all the people that are involved in uh, money movement so Those are three things that we are really focused on to, again, accelerate innovation on behalf of our customers.
0: Yeah. And we should be we should be clear on the crypto point. What you're saying is it's not just, hey, we're going to make it possible for our customers to invest in cryptocurrencies. You're saying there's a fundamental technology here that can revolutionize finance and you want to be at the leading edge of that.
2: Absolutely, Uh, you know, depending on which day it is, crypto is popular or not popular based on how the currencies are um, trading, and that is not. It's
0: it's a bad day, Sasan. It's a bad day on that front.
2: (laughs) Yes, and and that is not what I'm talking about. You're exactly right, Alan. For us, what is of interest is blockchain, because that allows us to actually really remove friction and to move money fast on the behalf of our customers. Two, it's really decentralized technologies that are enabled by. Blockchain and other technologies because of crypto and that means that from the time as a small business If you want to create an estimate to getting paid it can things can happen instantly Because of the technology that is what's most interesting now Over time if you want to you know pay in a certain currency like a Bitcoin or accept money Those are that's fine, but it's the underlying technology that is really uh, of interest to us
0: Yeah. So son you're clearly disrupting yourself you're making waves it's working out for your shareholders obviously the stock price is down like every stock price over the last few weeks but if you look at the last year or two solid you know double the stock price for your shareholders you're also focusing on your social impact i want to talk about what you're doing in climate but before we do that let's get this IRS issue off the table. I mean, as I understand it, you tried to do a good thing by making a a tax service free in partnership with the IRS, but the IRS thought you were then using that free service to uh, redirect people to paid services. Uh, You ended up settling with the IRS recently for, I think it was $140 million or so. What happened there?
2: yeah well first of all it's not the irs uh so maybe let me let me uh you know paint the the picture irs is a very close partner of ours in essence the partnership that we had with the irs is beyond what us and private industry do commercially we also created what we call the free file program 10 plus years ago and we were actually uh the founding founder uh, of the um, free file program with industry by the way and irs and really 10 plus years ago the intent was Free software wasn't available and nobody was e-filing. And so the goal was, how do we make free software available uh, to many? And how do we motivate e-filing so that people weren't doing things manually? You forward the clock, by the way, both of those missions uh, accomplished. And there's some very important governance that the IRS put in place around free file. We couldn't market free file. Uh, we couldn't send and we being we and others couldn't send customers from free file to our commercial offerings even if there were other benefits that they could benefit from so there was very good governance that that we all followed Uh, it was really entities on other parts of the government not the irs uh, that felt like some of our practices of how we talked about free needed uh, to be changed and so really the Sort of what happened was the FTC and the states did not agree with the IRS, although IRS is the one that governed uh, the program. And in essence, what we settled was, first of all, we settled in context of no wrongdoing. Uh, we settled on uh, making important changes to how we talk about free, most of which, by the way, was already in place. And it got to a place where we felt like settling uh, for the $141 million Uh, And admitting no wrongdoing, but changing some of the practices that we've already changed allows us to put this behind us so we can move on. Because, as you know, litigation takes a lot of mindshare and we just wanted to move on and focus on our customers. So that's the net of what happened. Just
0: quickly, though, just quickly, though, is there a bigger lesson there? I mean, do you wish you hadn't done this program with the IRS a decade ago or, or is it just missteps along the way?
2: You know, listen, Alan, I feel like we did the right thing. Uh, I feel like what we did with the IRS uh, opened up the door to many Americans having access to free and actually creating this wave of everybody doing their taxes uh, digitally. You know, the challenge is sometimes different parties have different views of what's right and what's not right. And what we ended up getting caught up in, because, by the way, we are the market share leader uh, is those that don't believe in voluntary taxes had different views and used this opportunity uh, to, yeah. in essence, make something evident in terms of their belief system. I would do it, you know, all over again. We did the right thing ultimately for for customers, and I stand by what we did. Uh, but at the same time, it's very unfortunate and disappointing that you can get caught up in different government agencies disagreeing with one another, uh, which then gets a private company like us caught up in the middle of it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have not done it it was the right thing for uh, American citizens.
1: Thank you for clearing that up. I do want to move on to both climate and um, inclusion. I I do want to start with inclusion, if that's okay, Alan. I just read an amazing piece by one of your employees in HBR, Laura Perkins, I believe their name is, who credits their ability to come out as non-binary, which was a wrenching decision for them to integrate their personal life with their workplace identity, specifically because of the Trans Plus Summit that Intuit hosted, which is the I believe it's the tech industry's first ever summit on these issues. So congratulations. I'll flag it in our notes so our readers can read it too. It was really special, and you must feel good about that. Can you talk a little bit about your overall inclusion goals and how you think about them, but particularly this summit, which I believe just wrapped?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love both of these you know, topics, particularly because you know, having come to the U.S. at the age of nine from Iran and in a time where Iran took hostages and, you know, I personally felt what it was like to be bullied and picked on, which is very different than your example, but it helped me understand what it means relative to, you know, inclusion. And so I'll start with uh, two changes that we made almost, you know, two years ago. One, uh, we actually evolved our our values, which have only been changed a few times in our 40 year uh, history. And, And one of the values that we added was around stronger together, which is just the importance of, Both diversity, and our view is diversity is a fact, inclusion is a choice, Uh, but the importance of both diversity of talent, but inclusion. And inclusion for us is really creating an environment where everybody can bring themselves to work and who they are, so we can do a better job innovating for our customers. The other very important change that we made is what we call our true north goals. Uh, We set goals for the company that are employee, customer, community, and shareholder goals. And we changed a couple of our employee goals. One of them, we actually added inclusion uh, which we actually uh, measure on a yearly basis, and also diversity. We set diversity goals and measure ourselves against you know how we do. Changing our values and changing our goals was essential to then what actions does it inform? What do we actually do? And our perspective is that we we respect your beliefs as a as a human being. And so this trans summit uh, was a very you know important uh, summit for us to actually talk about. Uh, what are um, the experiences and what are the feelings that folks have, and how can we ensure that we're creating an environment where, uh, through our action, uh, where folks feel supported? And you know, I've shared the story that you know my uh, own daughter, you know, shared with us five six years ago that she even came up to me one day and said, "Dad, I like girls. Is that okay?" And I said, "Well, of course it's okay. Uh, there's no difference between liking other girls or liking boys." And it just for me, it's personal in terms of ensuring that there's an environment you create in the world uh, so that folks feel comfortable. And I, I have to end with saying I learned a ton from my own daughter. You know, we live in an environment where because of our experiences, we're very open uh, to being yourself. And I realized yeah. even in that environment, how hard it was for my own daughter to actually have conversations about what she's feeling uh, and what she's going through which has made this extra special in terms of what we're trying to do at Intuit uh, to ensure that we create an environment uh, and through things like the the Trans Summit that you mentioned to ensure that people can talk about their stories and how tough it is and what we need to do about it.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Alan, I know you wanted to ask about climate. I just A really quick follow-up. From my reporting on inclusion and, and race and just the people that I get to talk to as part of my life, the single biggest issue that they seem to be facing as practitioners is how to embed the ideas of armed inclusion and the importance of inclusion into the day-to-day tactics of their business. So if you answer this question, of course, you, get, you win a Nobel Prize. I realize how big that question is. But if you had any advice, at least about how to begin to think about that, especially for the vast majority of the workforce who aren't as far as long as you are, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really important question. And I just want to be clear to your point. Uh, What I'm about to say is not going to win me the Nobel Prize, (laughs) Uh, but it's a really important question. So I think the first starting point that I would say I share with my peers is you have to authentically understand diversity of talent and an inclusive environment is key to success, to creating the culture that you want to deliver for customers, which ultimately is good for the world and good for business. Which then, if you believe that, and you have ways to set goals, if you have mechanisms to measure how you're doing, and if you have mechanisms to be transparent about it. You know, we're so, all companies are so transparent about their customer growth and the mix of customers and their financial outcomes. We well, have to be as transparent about inclusion and what's going right and what's not going right, what you need to change. So I think, just like you embed, and we're not, great, we're not perfect at this, just to be clear. We're working on this every day. But just as we embed what we do every day to drive customer growth, I think it's important to embed what we do every day to, to create the culture that we want and inclusion being a piece of it. So that's the methodology you know, that we use. And you know, I think we'll be able to look back five years from now and just assess and two years from now, what's working and what's not. But your question is, once we figure that as a globe, and I am, I am confident we will, I think it's gonna change the world for the better.
0: I'm here with Joe Yukazoglu, who is the CEO of Deloitte U.S. and had the good sense to sponsor this podcast. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for your support. Thanks, Alan. Pleasure to be here. So, Joe, this new wave of business technology, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, the ability to make intelligence out of data is creating huge opportunities for companies. But a lot of the CEOs I talk to feel daunted by it. It's like, where do they get the imagination? to rethink their entire corporation. How do they deal with that? The opportunities are immense,
2: particularly when you look at not just any one of these technologies individually, but the convergence of all of them collectively creating the opportunity to truly transform business models. And I know it can seem daunting, but the reality is taking a first step in actually produces huge benefit because what we're finding is that many of the cutting edge applications are not coming out of the corporate headquarters. They're coming out of putting the technology in the hands of our people on the front lines. They find new and innovative uses. We then funnel them back up and leverage them across the entire client base.
0: Yeah, it really gets to the importance of a culture of innovation at the company.
2: It is essential that our people feel empowered to take the latest and greatest and to find new and innovative ways to use it for productive purposes.
0: Thank you, Joe.
2: Alan, it's a real pleasure.
0: So, Sasan, let's talk about climate. You made clear to us at the beginning of this podcast where you're headed, uh, you want to be able to provide a whole suite of cloud-based services to small businesses, which is impressive and important. And one of those you've announced is being able to measure their impact on the climate. You know, big companies now are putting whole teams of their employees on this question, hiring the consulting firms to do it. But for small business, it's really tough. Uh, So
2: how are you going to do that? Yeah. Very, very tough. I'll start with, we set it as an expectation. So when you look at our true north goals, one of our pillars is community goals and there's three elements of those community goals. Uh, one is about creating jobs in distressed communities Two, It's actually about job readiness where we go into distressed communities and we educate folks and we have very specific goals so they're more ready for jobs. And by the way, the jobs may not necessarily be within to it, but it's the readiness to go out in the market. And then third, uh, is actually our uh, climate uh, goals. Uh, and I'll start with where we are and where we're going, and then I'll touch on small businesses. Right now, uh, we are 2X uh, carbon positive. Uh, and we set a goal, I think almost two years ago, uh, that by 2030, uh, we want to be what we call 50 by 30. And what that means is we took our 2018 footprint and we want to be 50 times uh, more Positive from a carbon perspective that by the way equates to like taking 450,000 cars uh, Off the street and we are, you know, we are 2x there and we have a long ways to go So how are we doing it? I'll just use the small business question that you asked as an example, you know We have created a small business marketplace uh, and this marketplace uh, is actually uh, starting to get filled up with those that small businesses can partner with like we have packaging uh, shipping companies in this marketplace that ultimately small businesses can use if they want to do packaging and shipping that are very, very climate friendly. Because it's very hard if you're a two-person or a 30-person small business, it's very hard to focus on climate and many other things when you're actually just trying to survive and, and run your business. So we are, we've are we created this marketplace and we are inspiring and motivating our small businesses to actually sign up to be want to be a part of the marketplace. And this marketplace is continuing to grow with companies that are actually very climate friendly. And we think, you know, we serve 8 million small businesses. We're one of the largest small business providers in the world, and we're growing. We view it as our opportunity to be able to get every small business to participate in one way, shape, or form in this marketplace. So we, we've signed up almost a million small businesses. We have more to go, but, wow. uh, but that is our ultimate um, how to get small businesses involved. Wow.
1: Very cool. I guess it's time for our lightning round. Isn't that right, Alan? That's right. Uh Uh-oh,
2: lightning round.
1: I know, I know. We could talk to you all day, but this season we're doing something a little different. We're asking all of our guests to just real top of mind, quick responses on three key questions facing all of us. First one is, what's top of mind for you when you think about the global economy?
2: That's a great question. Uh, You know, it's uh, it's crazy world out there. So be careful where you are. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I think I think the two things I'll say that is on my mind is the combination of all the money that we had to pump into the global economy and in some places like the U.S., uh, the inflation that it's caused. You couple that with the supply chain issues and the worker shortages uh, that has to be solved uh, because it's creating havoc Uh, In the marketplace, it's a huge strain on small businesses, as an example, and it's causing havoc in the stock market. As you know, inflation significantly impacts how investors think about, you know, ultimately uh, the the returns they get on the market. And that impacts consumer sentiment, which can actually impact the economy. So that is probably the biggest thing, you know, on my mind that we have to solve very thoughtfully, because if we overcorrect, we can send ourselves into a global recession, which we have to be careful of.
1: That's right. For those of you listening along, Alan is nodding. So that was clearly the right answer. (laughs) Second, what top of mind for you when you think about COVID?
2: About COVID. Well, I'll connect COVID to the workplace and just life. Uh, I think COVID has caused everyone to step back and think about their life. And I think life is up for grabs and the workplace is up for grabs. Uh, You know, when you think about what you hear in context of the great resignation the great reshuffling you know however you want to uh, brand it it's actually all caused in my view uh based on the opportunity people have had to step back and rethink their life and i think life is up for grabs and what choices you make is up for grabs and it significantly impacts companies uh culture and that that's a big thing that's on my mind yeah. we will get through covid it'll be the, the new norm but the implications and the structural and behavioral changes that it's causing is uh, it will be interesting to observe and watch what happens and how everyone in the world reacts to it.
0: I nodded to that one too, Ellen.
1: He did, That <laughs> leads us beautifully to our third and final one. Issaan, what is top of mind for you when you think about what's next for you as a leader?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I would say that I'm focused on how do I reinvent uh, myself. I think leading in these times is very different than uh, leading a year ago or two years ago. Uh, with thinking about life and workplace being up for grabs, the, um, some of the sort of structural and behavioral changes with consumers and small businesses and how they think about what's important to them in life. And, and I think when you're leading in that environment with all the social and political topics that you're having to, to deal with, uh, I think it's, it's important for me personally to be curious to examine the knowns, to examine the unknowns and figure out how I need to reinvent myself because leading in this environment is very different than what it was even a year ago. Uh, So for me personally, as an individual and as a leader, that's um, the most top of mind. And I will end with this quote. I won't quote the leader, but I just did a listening tour uh, where I went out and and talked to a number of uh, leaders externally, all of which you would know if I mentioned their name. And uh, this one uh, leader of a very large known uh, company that both of you would know well said, I've been a CEO for 24 years, different, several different companies. And he said, I simply don't know how to lead as a CEO anymore. And I have to reinvent myself. And I thought he encapsulated how I feel and what's important looking ahead. Wow.
0: Wow. That's really powerful. Can we guess who it is? We think that person has been on leadership next.
2: Take a guess. I won't uh I won't uh agree or deny, but take a guess. Who would
0: it be? Alan, guess. Twenty four years. We had a Ellen and I had a great conversation with John Donahoe at night. That's 19, who I
1: think uh, it is. That's who I
0: think it is. <laughs> you don't have to first... confirm or deny. All right, I'm
1: staring I'm staring at I'll, I'll just eyes. end with have a great day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Such a great conversation. Sasan uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, really yes. uh, uh amazed at what you've been doing. We're going to keep watching, and thank you for taking time to be with us on Leadership Next. Thank you. Take care. Leadership Next is edited by Nicole Vergala, written by me, Alan Murray, along with my amazing colleagues, Ellen McGirt and Megan Arnold. Our theme is by Jason Snell, executive producer, Megan Arnold. Leadership Next is a production of Fortune Media.